Hi everyone, I'm Julius Torelli, and this is Off the Cuff, Evacor Healthcare's podcast, where we talk everything utilization management, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and what Evacor is doing about it. I'm, uh, I'm wearing a collared shirt for the first time since, oh, I don't know when, uh, it's been a while. I also learned that shaving is a bit like riding a bicycle this morning. Uh, and my face kind of appreciates that for sure. We have a very exciting episode today with Lauren Kortmeyer and Aaron Hackman uh, from the University of Colorado Department of Radiology. Uh, Aaron, would start with you. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about about uh, you know the history. You know, one of the things that uh, we find here, you know, at Evacor, and we spoke about this in in previous episodes, is you know the administrative burden and the challenges with you know with preauthorization and. Uh, I wonder if, you know, one of the things I talk to a lot of, of uh, provider and, and provider groups, uh, and, you know, again, we, when we look at the pre-authorization process, you know, it is, it is a challenge. And, you know, you guys do it particularly well. You've clearly invested in your people. You've invested in, in, the, in the systems and such. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was it was a sort of an amazing team that you've put together, um, and I was very impressed. So I wonder if you could maybe tell us a little bit about that history, tell us a little bit about um, that. You know, again, making that investment, uh, it had to be a obvious conscious effort to to do that, um, and maybe why how that all came about. Sure. So um, my background is is radiology. So. I was a X-ray tech, CT tech, you know, manager of radiology, director of radiology. Uh, so everything has always been on the clinical side of things. Uh, there was a position that came up and I was offered at the University uh, of Colorado Hospital prior to before me and UC Health um, that was called, they called it reimbursement specialist. And it sounded interesting to me. Uh, so I accepted it. I had a directive from uh, our the radiologist and uh, director of radiology there at the time was uh, find things and that's broken and fix it. Okay, that's pretty easy. As I started working through these pieces, uh, I realized that on the scheduling and authorization side, there was a disconnect between what was happening. So for instance, we were kicking back a lot of, a lot of what we call peer to peer. So we, when we submit for authorizations, if all the information isn't there, as you guys know, for to establish medical necessity, everything gets kicked back to the clinic or the provider basically to fix the problem. And so we would always be hearing these words about, you know, they have to do a peer-to-peer, they have to do a peer-to-peer, whatever. And as I investigated these pieces, it had nothing to do with a doc most of the mm-hmm. time. So why are we throwing this stuff back to a doc to figure out how to fix it or to do this quote unquote peer to peer. So I started uh, registering myself on the portals as a referral specialist for the university hospital. And I started just digging into the portals out trying to understand what, how all this stuff worked and what was happening. So I selectively started grabbing um, pending or peer to peer referral requests or authorization requests and started making calls. And I'd talk to the talk to the nurses on the other side of uh, on the other side of the table with the insurance providers or with the authorizing entities, and found out it's no real big trick to figure out what's missing in um, in the 
submission for the authorization, provide the information, get an authorization. It didn't have to go to a doctor. Uh, so uh, most of the time, and I'm going to call that like the 80% rule. I can fix 80% of this stuff without involving a clinician or anything like that. So that's where the guidelines came into play. So all the major players have some level of guidelines that are out there in theory are intended for providers to understand how to get an authorization or what it requires to meet to get an authorization. I think the disconnect for that is that nobody uses them. I mean, these providers order their stuff because they think it's necessary and, and the documentation isn't necessarily meeting the sometimes pretty specific you know steps that are required to get the authorization in place that was kind of the beginning i was the person that was making the calls trying to push through pending or peer-to-peer -peer authorizations uh, so, so had, you were the only person at the time i was the only person yeah okay and, okay and how many how many do you how many people do you have now you think on your team uh probably over 50. wow i would say so Something again like i think yeah. So th again, that's a, you know, an, an incredible investment, but clearly someone, you know, in, in the whatever finance office, the accounting office at University of Colorado must believe that, you know, this team, which again is, is we certainly understand that that's a, an expense, but that someone must believe there's a return on that investment. Yes. Yeah. We were, it's, it, it's interesting because um, it's hard to actually get good line item data on, what's being denied. So the, that was a piece that I did as well in the very beginning was spent a lot of time with a report writer uh, and tried to pull uh, radiology denials on the back end. I was able to get my report such that it would capture denial reasons, remit, you know, you know how the EOB comes back and denies for things. You see a lot of no off quote unquote denials but the truth is, if you start root cause or doing a root cause analysis on, on what your common denominators are on each of these denials, you can start figuring that out. So I was using that to go, okay, what can I do up front to change what my denial is on the back? Because we just want to get paid. And we were finding that with our processes, as we monitored them over about a year's worth of time, it was clearly evident that when we were doing what we were doing, we were saving around $165,000 a week in denials. So wow. it was real money. Yeah. So it's um, interesting because you had the same sort of uh, uh, enlightening moment that, that we have at Evercore. And that is, you know, the, the last thing we want is to get to that peer to peer sort of right. uh, process because it's, it's time consuming on, on everyone's, you know, it's expensive for everyone. It's expensive for Evercore, but it's certainly expensive for the provider and that's a time for the provider uh, and such. And so, so we have worked very hard trying to do exactly what it is that you were doing from your end. And that is trying to get that information, better information up front. The last thing we want is to do a peer to peer and, and the doctor says to us, you know, uh, well, you know, this is a no brainer. I can't understand why this was denied. And he gives us a perfectly acceptable reason to, to do the test. We approve it. And the whole problem there was just that we didn't have that information uh, initially. Had we had it, you know, then uh, it would have been authorized, you know, immediately. So Lauren, right. let me ask you, you know, one of the things uh, Aaron was getting to is about the, uh, the Evacore guidelines. 
So, you know, uh, we catch a little bit of flack for our guidelines because they're organized in a, in a fashion that's different from uh, generally what's in the industry. So in the industry, you know, whether it's the, the RBM industry or, or the health plan uh, industry, uh, coverage policies, criteria are generally written, pr they're procedurally based, right? They're CPT based. So in other words, it'll say a CT scan is good for, and there's just a list of things that a CT scan is good for. CT scan is good to image the head, you know, for headaches or what have you. It's good for abdominal pain. But yet we know that there's really so much more. So our guidelines are set up more conditionally based rather than uh, procedurally based. Um, and we think that's uh, a value because it's not just about, do, you know, that the fact that a CT scan may be good for uh, a headache or it may be good for uh, abdominal pain, but there's a lot of other tests that may actually be better. We love the Evacor guidelines. They are our gold standard, our, our go-to for everything. Um, and they're truly all-inclusive. I mean, if we go, if we use another set of guidelines, they don't have, um, for example, uh, appendiceal adenocarcinoma. Uh, that doesn't exist on some of these other guidelines. Whereas if you type that into the Epicor guidelines, it takes you exactly where you need to go. And um, as a, from the clinic review side, uh, we, we pull up the guidelines on every single case we work. And uh, more times than not, they are the Epicor guidelines just because they are all inclusive. They tell us exactly what we need to look for. Um, you know, if the provider hasn't ordered an x-ray on a knee, well, we're gonna ask for the x-ray before we go any further. They are our Bible. Um, all of the nurses have the Epicor guidelines up and that is uh, the majority of my 10 hour shift is spent reviewing the Epicor guidelines. They have right. everything we need um, for what we're looking for in you know, clinical documentation. We play the role of a liaison between the providers that are ordering this stuff and, and they don't have time to be mess, messing with this and getting the authorization in place. We provide that information to them from the guidelines. We'll, we'll do print screens of it, send it to them, say here's what we're dealing with, you know, help me navigate it, that kind of thing. I will tell you that I very frequently send print screens of Evacor guidelines to my docs for other entities because it spells out what we're dealing with even though it's for another entity uh, to get an authorization and we can have our dialogue on what we need to get in place then go back and deal with it in in the with the other rmb or organization that we're doing and i, I don't know if you do that lauren as well but i suspect absolutely so. uh, the our providers uh, understand the guide Evacor guidelines they're clear concise to the point um, some of the other payer guidelines are um, paragraphs long and we can't ever expect our provider to you know read that or understand it um, so I, I very often do use Evacor guidelines for other entities. Evacor has been a great partner for us uh, and and listens to what our feedback is to try to help make some of the processes better. I mean, the guidelines evolve and it's because it's a learning process. And I think that just having the input on both sides that I think is very candid helps everybody to not waste any resources and time going with that. So the other entities, are, they're not that at all. Well, the one that I'm thinking of is a large entity 
they're actually resistant to anything. They very much set on their diagnosis code driven processes that don't work and they don't want to hear that they don't work. And um, it's, it's interesting. It, 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 we know it's an administrative burden, which is where all this technology is headed to help with that. But we, want, we don't want to be, you know, uh, obstructionist. We really want to make sure that if the, if, if the test is appropriate, then we want to make sure that the patient gets everything that they need, but we don't want them having to get more than they need. And we certainly don't want to put up obstructions or delay things. Uh, so we appreciate the input and the partnership. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's very much appreciated on our end as well. I was impressed when, when I spoke with you, uh, you know, I, I've spoken to you many times uh, over the years, but again, I think the team you put together, the process you put together, the, the investment you all have made and, and uh, the fact that you feel, you know, that that was worthwhile, that there is a return on that investment, I think, uh, you know, is, is, uh, is really important and, and great to see and great to hear. Uh, so certainly appreciate uh, both of you uh, agreeing to come on and talk about that. And, uh, and uh, thank you. Thank you Thank so you much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Appreciate it.